This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Some prominent virologists are warning that the virus that has infected hundreds in China shows signs of being far worse than the authorities there are letting on. According to Dr. Yi Guan, director of the State Key Laboratory of Emerging Infectious Diseases at the University of Hong Kong, he thinks conservative estimates suggest that the scale of infection may eventually be 10 times higher than SARS. He said the number of people infected could reach as high as 6,000. And the Chinese government now has three cities on lockdown. This as the Lunar New Year is approaching. For those of us who remember the SARS epidemic 17 years ago, the question is, has Ontario taken enough measures to protect us. Right now, let's go to Dr. Allison McGeer, a microbiologist and infectious disease consultant. And she, of course, was on the front lines of coping with SARS. Dr. McGeer, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure to talk to you. So first of all, are you confident that the authorities in China are giving us all the information? Uh, you know, I, I, I think what's happening, I, I don't know with absolute confidence that they're giving us as much information as they have. It is much more difficult than you would think to put together data on outbreaks and to move faster than the viruses uh, when they start. Um, so, you know, I would totally agree that we're not um, we're not getting data as much data as we would like, but we're getting, I think, as much as they have. This doesn't mean that they're detecting all of the cases. It doesn't mean, and and it's looking at the moment as if um, they are maybe not effectively on top of it. Um, but I don't think I, I don't think it's nefarious. I just think it's it's really hard to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I've also seen uh, reports or theories from uh, virologists that that. Uh, by between today and the 25th is when we could see a lot more cases after they've incubated. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, you know, we're, we're, we're still at this, the key question of where these cases are coming from and um, whether there's sustained person-to-person transmission. Uh, and I, it, it is looking as if the number of cases is increasing quickly enough that it seems it, it's getting harder to think that there's not person-to-person transmission. But the um, the World Health Organization, who reviewed the data yesterday, said there's not been second and third generation transmission. Um, so I, I think at the moment we just need to sit and wait on, until that data comes. That that information about sustained person-to-person transmission is the key to knowing whether 
um, this is a virus that is going to spread outside of China that we're all going to have to learn to live with, or um, whether this is an outbreak that can be contained. Uh, can you just explain what those things are, second and third generation transmission? I mean, my understanding is that uh, it was already confirmed that there's person-to-person transmission. Yes. So the the critical issue is not whether there's person-to-person transmission, but whether there's sustained and effective person-to-person transmission. So uh, I I think the easiest way to think about it is to have an example. The the MERS coronavirus in Saudi Arabia um, is carried by camels. Okay, so it, it survives because it lives in camels. It's passed from camel to camel. They get sniffles, just like humans. Um, and it can... It, it can spill over from camels into humans. So if you own or train camels, work with camels, you can get the MERS coronavirus infection from them. Once a human being is infected, they can pass it on to other close contacts. So there are some situations where there have been household clusters of MERS. Um, and when a person is sick enough to go in the hospital, then they tend to be more infectious. And so there have been hospital outbreaks of MERS. But it doesn't, the virus itself does not transmit well in the community um, and to general contact. So a person will get it from a camel. They might pass it on to one other person in the household, but then it will die off. So the only reason that that Saudi Arabia continues to see MERS cases is because MERS is endemic in camels and periodically you can get infected. Most so real human viruses, so influenza and all the viruses that cause common colds, they live in humans and they survive by being passed from human to human. So this is the key question about this coronavirus in Wuhan now. Is it like MERS where it's in some animal host and it spills into humans and perhaps they're having some hospital outbreaks, perhaps they're having some household transmission, but most of the disease is coming from some other exposure? Or is this now a virus that is being passed successfully from human to human and can live on an ongoing basis in human populations? I'm sorry, that's a really long answer to a a kind of a complicated question, but it's the key to um, how worried we have to be. I've also uh, read that it is most dangerous for older people. Is that right, as far as you know? Uh, yeah, that's a, so that's a general truth about infectious diseases. Um, uh, uh, as we get older and as we accumulate underlying conditions that make us not able to respond as well to infections, the, the severity of infections gets worse, the chance that you'll be hospitalized, your risk of dying gets higher. So it, that, that's not a surprise. It's true of almost every infection. Yeah, apparently the youngest person to die was 48 years old. Not that that's very old. No, and I, I think the, you know, what they're saying is that there was a 48-year-old person, but it wasn't a healthy, the, that patient was not healthy. They had significant underlying chronic conditions. So, you know, it, it's, it's very different getting an infection if you're a healthy 48-year-old than if you're a 48-year-old who's just started intensive chemotherapy for leukemia or, you know, is on um, heavy doses of immunosuppression for um, because they've just had a transplant or something. So it is a um, um, it is a um, yeah. So it is. It, uh, it, it, it's always it, it's always older people and people whose immune systems are compromised who are most at risk. 
what we've also seen so far is authorities saying that it seems to be less deadly than SARS. Uh, is is that, uh, you know, a proven fact? Um, you know, there's still data. There's still data emerging. And so it's very difficult when you're only three weeks into an outbreak to be absolutely confident. But the overall, even when we were looking for mild cases of SARS, 10% of people who got SARS died. Um, this outbreak so far, we're up at 560 cases and 17 people have died. Um, so, so that's the basis on which people are saying that it looks less severe. It's also true that we're still really early in this outbreak. People haven't had a chance to look for um, more serious infections. So, uh, or sorry, less serious infections. So um, it's probably true that there are a bunch of milder infections that we're not yet diagnosing, and that would make the, the number even lower. So I, I think we're reasonably confident that this is less severe than SARS. doesn't mean it's not you know, severe enough to worry about, but it, it is good news that it doesn't look as if it's as bad as SARS. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, yesterday the health minister assured us that we're much better prepared than we were 17 years ago. She pointed to isolation rooms in the newer hospitals, but uh, earlier in the program I was talking to the NDP health critic and she we were talking about overcrowding in hospitals uh, and what's going to happen if this thing hits does that concern you? Well, you know, I, I, I think we will be able to cope with it, but I, it, it is absolutely true that um, managing additional patients in, in our hospitals um, is a challenge now. We have one of the lowest ratios of, of hospital beds per population in the developed world. Um, it does make it a challenge for us, and um, it if this becomes a pandemic, and if, as we've said, it's too early to tell, um, then we may well have challenges with um, uh, maintaining hospital beds during it. We, you know, we live through influenza seasons, and we cope okay with those, even though it's not ideal. Um, so that that's probably what this looks like. But um, if this is in, in, in the worst case scenario with this, it'll be like the next influenza pandemic. Yes, it will be a challenge and um, uh, it, it, it may end up resulting in suboptimal care um, uh, because of the crowding. But it's, I, I think that's, I think the, those scenarios are really unlikely. Uh, what would you like to leave us on this? What do you want to tell people? Um... You know, so I think the, the important thing still for Canadians at the moment is we're watching this. We don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, but still, for, certainly for Canadians for the next two weeks, you want to worry about something? Worry about influence and car accidents. Those are the things that are really dangerous. Okay, I think that's a very good reminder. Dr. Allison McGeer, thank you so much for taking the time. Pleasure to talk to you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.